We'll read from Luke's Gospel, chapter 17, verses 20 and 21. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation, neither can one say, Lo here, or lo there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. The Jewish people expected that Jesus would ride into Jerusalem. They could not have expected that he would ride on a mule, but that's the way he did it. But they expected that he would come in and establish a kingdom that would turn the Roman rule upside down. Instead, the Lord came and turned the religious system upside down. But they demanded of him when this kingdom of heaven would appear, and it's understandable why they would think what they thought. We read in Isaiah, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder. He goes on to say, And of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it. So they did expect a descendant of David to establish a kingdom here on earth. Hope was elevated when, the John, when John the Baptist came preaching. He came preaching, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He was the forerunner of Christ and his call, his duty, his responsibility was to point men and women to Jesus. Nevertheless, when he came preaching and he preached the gospel of repentance, they wondered in their hearts if this was not the promised Messiah. We read in Luke that the people were in expectation and all men mused in their hearts of John whether he were the Christ or not. But Jesus shortly came. John was imprisoned and eventually was beheaded for his testimony. But Jesus came preaching, and he came preaching about the kingdom of God. One day when he was done uh, preaching to the multitudes, 5,000 men plus women and children, he noted, or it was brought to his attention, that the people would faint if they did not have something to eat. So with the lad's lunch, he fed the people. After blessing the bread and, and breaking it, giving it to his disciples to distribute, which they did and ended up with more than they had to start with. The people were excited, as you can imagine. They thought, wow, uh, this is the kind of king we need. Can you imagine? Free food, free health care, free coffee, free college, everything free. Well, Jesus slipped away because his time was not yet that he would establish this kingdom. But it brings us a, a lesson that is applying to, applies today, and it applied back then. Nothing is free. Our salvation is not free. It costs the supreme price. It costs God his only begotten Son. But if we avail ourselves of the price that was paid on our behalf, we can have the kingdom of God within our hearts. Jesus within a week of that Palm Sunday, uh, was uh, beaten, uh, tortured, ridiculed, and crucified. He was buried and put in a tomb 
For the third day, he rose from the dead again, and after a time appeared to his uh, disciples, the apostles, and they inquired of him when they were come together and asked him, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore the kingdom of Get again to Israel? No, not yet. It's not for you to know the times or the seasons, he replied. This is not the time nor the season, and before long he ascended up into heaven. But this is, this is a different kind of kingdom that, that he is talking about. It's not a, a kingdom where there's a, a government of the kind of this world. It's not a geographic kingdom. You cannot pull out a map or search for a location or point to it on a globe. You cannot drive there or fly there. No, it, it, there's no capital. There are no boundaries. There is no throne, no court. There are no subjects in the sense that we're used to it in this life. This is the kingdom of, of heaven. This kingdom is one that God establishes within individual hearts, where the individuals, upon giving their hearts, or I should say our hearts, to God, we allow the Lord to govern our life, to be the king of every aspect of our life. That's the kind of kingdom that the Lord was talking about, uh, the one that you, you cannot point east or west or north or south. We must point within and realize the Lord wants to establish a kingdom in every heart of every man, woman, boy, and girl. Why is it called the kingdom of heaven? It's to distinguish it from an earthly kingdom. Pilate asked Jesus before Jesus was crucified, Art thou a, uh, the king of the Jews? And Jesus' reply was, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would fight, that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from hence. The Lord did not fight. He could have. He was the Son of God. He was God incarnate, God in the flesh. He could have spoken the word and it would all be done. But it was necessary that the innocent pay the penalty of the guilty. We are among the guilty. The Son of God was innocent. He paid the supreme a price, the only price that could be paid to atone for the sins of the human race. So he said, uh, my kingdom is not, is not of this world. Uh, so if we were to ask Pilate, uh, he, he may or may not have understood the, the depth of that, but he washed his hands of, of the matter. But if we didn't get an answer from Pilate, we could ask one named Malchus in the garden when they came to take Jesus away. Simon Peter was willing to fight. He had not yet learned that the Lord's kingdom was not of this world and uh, it, did not, it was not ordered after the fashion of this world. So when uh, they came, Peter drew his sword and smote the, the high priest's uh, servant and cut off his ear. His name was Malchus. Uh, Malchus can tell you later uh, that he experienced a miracle. Maybe the last miracle among uh, men and women, at least, when uh, he said that's what happened. We came to arrest him, but uh, Peter was ambitious and took out his sword and, and uh, unsheathed it, and it cost me my ear for a moment. 
until this one who was soon to be crucified reached out his hand and touched my ear and healed it. Evidence that Jesus' kingdom is a different kind of a kingdom, and it certainly is. We pray, and Jesus taught us to pray, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That's the prayer we pray when this, uh, the kingdom of God is established within. We pray, Lord, you order the events. And as events come beyond our control, we still pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. There will be a day where the kingdom of God, after the fashion that the Jews envisioned, will be established upon the earth. But there's a lot that needs to take place between now and then, not the least of which is the rapture of the church, which could happen at any moment in time when those who have made their preparations and established or allowed God to establish that kingdom within are taken out of this world. And you think the news cycle is burning up the uh, cyberspace now. You just wait until that happens. Everyone will know what has happened. There will be no doubt amongst many because Jesus is the true light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world and the least of their worries will be any pandemic. They will realize that the Lord has come and they've been left behind. We must make preparation for that day. This is a different kind of kingdom, all right. Uh, one day the mother of Zebedee's children, James and John, came to Jesus and asked a favor of him. She came worshiping him, and they were right there. They could have stopped her, I would presume, but this mother had high plans for her boys. Those plans were not carried out, by the way. On the contrary, they were to the contrary. They ended up being martyred, or at least giving their lives for the sake of the cross. But she said, Lord, when you come into your kingdom, will you grant to my boys that one sits on your right hand and the other on the left? Oh, Jesus said, you don't, you don't understand. This is not a, a kingdom where we lord over others. This is a kingdom, if you want to be great in it, where you serve others. And Jesus pointed out that even as the Son of Man came to give his life a ransom for many, he was the ultimate servant. He paid that ultimate price. We read in Paul's words in Romans the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It's not of this world in nature. But righteousness, that, that is to experience the acquittal of past sins and to experience the cleansing within. That's what the kingdom of God is about. It's righteousness and peace. In the world, there's tribulation. But be a good cheer, Jesus said, I have overcome the world. And, and joy, he said, in the Holy Ghost. The, the hallmark of Palm Sunday, the first Palm Sunday, was the joy expressed by the children who were told that they needed to hush as they uh, carried on with the spirit of some of the adults who had experienced uh, this kingdom within by uh, the Lord's divine touch earlier in his ministry. So they were saying, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Uh, praise be to God. Glory to God. They had experienced uh, the Lord. Well, the children got a little restless, I guess. And so some of the disciples were, uh, were said, uh, quiet them down, tell them to hush. But Jesus replied, if these would hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. That's the joy uh, of, of Palm Sunday. That's the, the hallmark uh, of this day, but not of this day, but of 
every Lord's Day and really of every day. Nehemiah, we heard Friday night in the Bible teaching, said the joy of, of the Lord is my strength. Our true joy within is not governed by circumstances without. It's a condition along with peace and contentment that exists uh, in the hearts of those who have allowed Christ to establish the kingdom of God within. It, ex- it exists, that joy, wherever we are, in whatever, whatever day we live, in whatever we are enduring. We, we wake up with a praise in our hearts. This is a different Palm Sunday, granted. Most of us have spent the last many, many, many Palm Sundays in the house of God. Many Sundays in the house of God. But God has ordained it to be the way that it is. And so we praise God just the same as before. We don't need to be in a great big crowd to praise God. Uh, when we are alone, we praise God. The evidence of what is within is not how we conduct ourselves in a great big body of believers. It's how we conduct ourselves when nobody else is around. And so we, we praise the Lord and say with the psalmist, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. The question was asked by Jesus, actually. He was trying to explain this kingdom of God. He, he, he said, or asked, Whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God, or with what comparison shall we compare it? It was hard for them to understand It may not be that easy for uh, us to understand. But when we think of a kingdom, and I've met a few kings here and there. Well, not here and there, actually, specifically in in just one country. But they they have the thrones, and they have the subjects, and they have the uh, adoration and uh, all of their their system. But this isn't a kingdom like that. He said, how, how can I explain, or what, to what can I compare it so that you can better understand it? And so Jesus spoke in parables. He says, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a grain of mustard seed, which, when sown in the earth, is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. But when it is sown, it groweth up and becometh greater than all herbs, and shooteth out great branches so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. So that gives us a hint of how the kingdom of heaven works and how we can compare it. It starts small. It starts with a prayer as an individual. It starts with a confession of sin and a request that God would forgive us of our past sins. That's where it begins, but it doesn't stop there. It expands. It grows. It grows outwardly. It grows uh, to other members of families. It grows to the community. For students in school, it, 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 it reaches out and touches schoolmates. Why, it touches neighborhoods. Ultimately, it touches nations and the world. The gospel is preached all over the world. But it didn't start that way. It started so small. And yet, it grows. And that's the comparison that Jesus used, that grain of mustard seed. He said it was the smallest of all seeds. And it grows into a great big tree. And pretty soon, even the birds of the air benefit by its expansion. 
He went on. He says, The kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till the whole was leavened. Perhaps that's a comparison to how it impacts the individual life. And you know how leaven works. We know it as yeast or sourdough or some leavening agent. Remember years ago when Debbie and I lived in Eureka with our children? We bought uh, a bread machine a few years after they came out, and I wanted to have uh, raisin bread toast in the morning, so I set it on a timer, put in the ingredients, and uh, in the middle of the night, I, I arranged it so it would, uh, the bread would be done uh, when I got up at 5.30 or 6 o'clock, whatever it was, and let it cool and eventually have a piece of raisin bread toast f- uh, for breakfast. You can hardly beat that, by the way. But anyway, in the middle of the night, I hear a thump, a loud noise, and it startled me out of a dead sleep, but uh, I've never been one to worry about the boogeyman, so I quickly went back to sleep. But in the morning when I got up, there was a bread machine uh, on the floor of of the kitchen. But the uh, bread was still in the container, and it had still, the yeast had activated, and the yeast had made the bread or the dough, rather, to, to grow. So I was able to take it out of the, that container and put it in a bread the way they made it the old-fashioned way into a different container, turn the oven on to 350 and bake it for a certain length of time, and I had my raisin bread toast for breakfast. But that's a description of how uh, Jesus uh, told the kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven, head hid in that uh, meal, and it expands, it grows, and develops until you have a product uh, that is blessed of God, ultimately, if you're talking about the Christian life. It starts small, but it, it grows and expands and will take us to heaven eventually. He said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field. Well, that's more than stumbling onto a coin. It's stumbling onto evidence of a gold mine. Why, there's something there. It attracts our attention. And in this case, he said the man goes out, sells all that he has to buy the field. He doesn't know exactly what's there, but he knows the potential exists, and he's convinced that it will last for the rest of his life. Well, that's the gospel, Jesus said. The kingdom of heaven is like unto that. You may not understand the fullness of it. You may catch just a glimpse of it. But if you cast your lot with the Lord and allow him to establish that kingdom within, why, what lies ahead is more than you could ever possibly envision at the time that you let that kingdom be established. And that's true of the gospel. It starts by simply embracing it by faith, And you'll never regret, I've never met anyone in the world who has later looked back over the years and said, I wish I would not have given my heart to God. Oh, no, not not by any means. Everyone who's instead, they say, I wish I would have taken that action sooner in life. We're sitting on a gold mine when when we serve the Lord. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man. This one is seeking goodly pearls, and he finds the uh, pearl of great price. You you look around the the world, people are looking, uh, they're seeking for something that will fulfill that vacancy within. It's found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It cannot be found elsewhere because it does not exist elsewhere. It takes seeking at times. But this one who was uh, this merchant man 
seeking goodly pearls. And again, he found uh, something that he felt would be worth more than air, uh, the, the, the accumulation of everything else he possessed. So he went out and he sold everything and acquired that pearl of great price. It was a great price. It cost something, all right, but it was worth everything he paid. The gospel will cost. It costs us our life. It costs us all future plans, our ambitions if we have any. Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll turn it all over to the Lord and trust him to take better care of us than we could care for ourselves. And when we do that, you can be sure it is true the Lord will take care of us. Jesus uh, spoke of more of seeing and entering into that kingdom. He told Nicodemus, except you be born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. And again, except you be born of the water uh, and of the spirit, you cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. He was drawing a contrast between our natural birth and a spiritual birth. We know what the natural birth is like. We all celebrate uh, our birthday. I know some. I have a grandson who's celebrating his 17th birthday today, and he won't appreciate me telling you that. But anyway, it's something else to celebrate the new birth, to look back in your life some years later, whether it be 17 or 35 or 45, whatever it is, I could celebrate on March 17th. I just did my spiritual birth from 1974 on that day. Other people acknowledge St. Patrick's Day. I don't know too much about him, but I know something about what God did for me that day in 1974. That's a date worth remembering for each one who, who can hearken back to their date. And uh, you won't remember mine, but you will remember yours. Even if you cannot remember uh, on the calendar the time and the date, you'll remember in your mind where you were and, and uh, how you prayed and what happened. It's a profound day because it had such a profound impact on your life. You, it, your life is changed at that moment in time. You put more stock in that day than in your date of birth. Because you know that was the day that you entered into the kingdom of heaven, or you allowed rather the kingdom of heaven to enter into your heart. Well, it takes determination uh, once you enter it. Nobody said it would be a cakewalk. No, not by any means. Uh, they, the disciples found that out. Most of them gave their lives uh, to, for uh, the testimony of Jesus Christ. It takes determination. And Jesus said again, No man having put his hand on the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Once you get started, don't look back. Uh, there's nothing back there anyway. You already experienced that. No, you look forward. You keep your eyes on the goal. Uh, the enemy will try to de detract or distract you, but uh, you won't be detracted. No, we know where we're headed. We're headed to heaven, and we want to make the goal. Well, the exciting thing uh, about this is is not far from any one of us. That's what Jesus told his disciples to tell those who ministered to the communities where they went. Whether they embraced the message or rejected the message, they were uh, told to leave with these words, be sure of this, that the kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. You are this close to the kingdom of God right now. If you've never experienced this great salvation, the Lord is reaching out to every unsaved heart and wants you to invite him into your heart. You'll know all about then 
what the kingdom of heaven is about. And you won't be worried about see here or, or see over there or up or down. You'll know it dwells within. God bless you.